licensed relationship and sex counselor Greg Dazinski's, also known as Master G, the art of relationships will cover crucial elements in rebuilding emotional and physical intimacy in your romantic relationships. He will also welcome live calls from listeners in helping with these very challenges. Heard of the old repetitive and tiresome tit-for-tat arguments? Greg gets to the root of couples' challenges in a quick, matter-of-fact format, plus applies compassion and humor. Join in discovering how to improve your romantic relationship and your own life. Listen, laugh, and climax to a happier you. Greg is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan, but to some of us, he is simply known as Master G. The Art of Relationships radio show is copyrighted, no use, in part or full is to be used without written, express consent from myself, Greg Dzinski, or The Art of Relationships. Thank you. Hey, welcome to Sunday night. This is the Art of Relationships radio show. Thank you again for joining me. Tonight's topic is, oh, would you want your kids to have the same type of relationship or marriage that you currently have now? How many people out there shake their head and I ask this question in my office um, numerous times with couples? You know what? Would you want your kids to have the same type or same style of relationship or marriage that you guys currently have, right? So this is what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Again, this is the Art of Relationships radio show. I'm Greg Dzinski, licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan, also relationship and sex specialist. So please, Join me online. I'm live now, and you can call me with your topic of discussion regarding this topic, I guess, sorry, at 586-212-4196. Again, 586-212-4196. Okay, going on this, and upcoming show, I'm going to talk about It's been... Sort of a question that was posted on my uh, my main page, I guess. Not my business page. is my main page. But about pornography. Ooh. And does it play a role in your relationship? And I'm going to tie that in with the old maybe view or the old stereotypical myths about sex addiction. Ooh. I'm going to probably talk about that why don't we get into that on wednesday what a perfect night for hump night talking about porn and sex addiction is it viable is it not does porn play a role in your relationship is it good bad unhealthy and what your thoughts are and i'll have some insights to provide for you that might maybe shake you up a little bit and expand your own horizons right And maybe question, are they values, moral judgments? Ooh, and how can we handle that? So that'll be coming up on Wednesday, okay? But tonight, going to talk about, like I mentioned, about would you want your kids to have the same type of relationship that you do or same marriage? Doesn't matter, right? I use uh, terms relationship or marriage interchangeably on the show and in my practice, Um, A lot of couples are in my office and they'll look at me when I ask this question and they'll sit there, no way, Greg, there's no way I would wish 
our the way our marriage is, the way our relationship is, I would never wish our kids to have the same type of relationship. So my blunt question to them is to get them thinking and get them sort of contemplating and digging deep, okay? Then I say, you know what? Then what can we do about making your relationship or marriage maybe dynamic and maybe you would be proud if your kids had the same type of marriage or relationship when they get older uh, or later on in life. That's something. What can we do to make it that way, right? And the other aspect is, and if you can't, ooh, then what do you do? Do you call it quits, break up, file divorce? Again, this decision is not mine to make. It's the couple's. And I tell people all the time, tell couples, if a therapist tells you to, you need to end a relationship, right? Get a divorce, you need, or stay in the marriage because of their own bias, their own beliefs, you need to get the hell out of their office and see someone that isn't going to be biased. Like I said, they don't live your life, right? They don't walk in your shoes. So you need to come up with the best decisions possible for you, your relationship, uh, family dynamics and everything taken into consideration big time. No blowing smoke up your ass, up your booty, but being real, being genuine, being compassionate about that decision because it's not hard. It's gut-wrenching. So when you take all this into consideration, you know what? Our kids important, right? I get this all the time. You know what? The reason we're in a relationship or marriage is number one issue because of the kids. We don't want to hurt them. We don't want to disappoint them. Oh, my God, we don't want them coming from divorce families. And my question is, you, you know, it comes back to that. So you'd be okay with them in the same type of relationship or marriage. Even though they're miserable, unhappy, right, you'd wish that on them, and you would tell them to stick it out and just be martyrs. Ooh. Talk about doing a gut check. And let's face it, you know, I talk before about unconditional love. I talk about it on Facebook. Um, we have unconditional love, I believe, for our kids. I get that. That's as far as it goes, okay? If couples have unconditional love for each other and it's healthy, they love each other, um, awesome. I'm all, I try to promote that, right? But some unconditional love is stupid, meaning, right? If you're in an abusive relationship, oh, my God, I love, I love him. I love her unconditionally. Even though he beats my ass, I'm always going to stay because I love him unconditionally. Point blank, that's stupid, right? Is that unprofessional for me to state? Eh, maybe, but everybody that knows me, I'm politically incorrect, and I want to do what's best for people and my clients, okay? Getting back. Now, you have a kid or kids in a relationship. You know what? Is there a lot of yelling and screaming going on in a relationship, in your marriage, right? Do you yell and scream? Do you call each other names? You know, do you belittle and chastise one another? Oh, my God, I can't believe Mom. Man, she rips about Dad every day, complains, and he just takes it, right? He just sits there and takes it. A lot of things will happen in that situation when there's a lot of yelling and screaming situation. Either typically two things are going to happen. When the kids get older, again, there's no guarantee. This is very subjective. I'm going with the percentages. 
Um, like I said, there's no definitive. It all depends. So Greg said, and he guarantees this. No, I'm not. No, I am not. I'm going with percentages. I'm going with the, the averages, if you will. Okay. So if, say, mom is belittling, criticizing, and dad just sits there and takes it and takes it, takes it, right? Kids are going to lose respect big time for dad because dad's not sticking up for himself. You know, it's the same thing. I'm not, I'm just listing mom. Dad could be yelling, criticized, belittling mom, and they will lose respect for mom big time too. So it doesn't matter, right? They will lose respect and they will maybe hate, not hate, but dislike both parents. They might love them deep down because maybe that's the way it is, right? But they will lose both respect, and they will. I get teens in there. Dad never sticks up for himself. Mom never sticks up to himself. Dad, Mom, they always yell, boo, you know, yell and scream, belittle, call the other one name, and they just sit there and take it. And so many teens tell me how much they lose respect for the other parent. Well, actually, for both parents in that situation. But mostly it's ironic how it falls that they lose more respect for the one that sits there and takes it, that they're not sticking up for themselves, right? So going back to what I said, two scenarios will happen. The kid, even though they lose respect, they're going to get in a relationship where they will play the one that keeps taking the yelling, the screaming at, the belittling, criticizing, you know, getting chastised. They will take on that role because eh, maybe... Depending on their personality, they're more withdrawn, maybe more shy. They will sit there and take on that same role or the opposite. They're going to turn in to be the yeller, screamer, criticizer, whatever, because you know what? They have so much disrespect for, say, dad putting up with it and taking it. They're not going to be in that situation. So what, what? They want that control. And what's going to happen is they're going to be the one trying to maintain control by yelling, screaming, or whatever, because that's what they saw, right? Big, big, huge disclosure, people. And I think you know this. You hear this all the time, right? You can tell kids left and right not to do something, not to do something, or to possibly do something, especially when, you know, boundaries and your morals and value development comes up you can tell them whatever but it's what they observe it's what they watch it doesn't matter you tell them one thing i'm always huge on being congruent right and i talk about that are you doing what you say you're gonna do are you acting the way you promote your words the way you speak and if you don't right? The kids, they, they get clued in to your actions big time, right? So not only what you say, but what you do, okay? So the yelling, screaming matches, everything else, the name count belittling. I gave you scenarios how kids possibly will turn out. You know, there's no guarantee in anything, right? But like I said, I'm going with averages and situations. So do you want your kid to grow up where there's yelling, screaming, or if you're the one, say, taking all the criticisms and just putting up with it, 
because you're a doormat, let's face it, or you're afraid to have a backbone because, oh, my God, I might end up divorced. It might be actually worse than it is. Mm, There's not much worse than getting criticized, belittled, and yelled at, screamed at, maybe on a daily or everyday basis, right? So would you want your kid to take that? Would you want your kid to put up with that? Ooh. So what can we do? Most, I'm going to go out on a limb and say most people are going to assume that um, the answer is going to be no. They don't want their kids in that situation big time, okay? Another situation in a relationship, you know what? Even if there is not, say, yelling and screaming matches, I get, you know, couples all the time they might not fight Greg we don't fight we don't yell we don't scream at each other but there's distance you know there's distance there's tension there's a coldness in the home you walk in when the parents are in there and working with teens and even couples they say you know what I ask I don't care if you fight you don't yell scream whatever they still can sense they can feel it the tension in there they can see right Ooh, the distance and maybe the lack of cohesiveness as a team as a romantic team as romantic partners as a loving couple and there's that coldness and there's that distance hey you know what but we don't yell and scream Ooh, that's still not a good situation right so if your kids are in that situation, also, you know, the yelling, scream we talk about, but the coldness and the distance and there's a lack of cohesiveness within the relationship between the two parents, um, chances are they're not going to know how to act in a certain relationship. They might be very uncomfortable, maybe in future relationships, of showing affection, of showing passion, of being able to even talk if there's a problem, right? And I'm going to get on that in a few moments. But the distance, maybe they think that's normal, right? I don't see mom and dad hugging, embracing, kissing. Ooh, well, no kid wants to see their, I'm not talking deep, passionate, you know, so-called porn kisses. Uh, You don't want to traumatize your kids. But um, they don't see even pecks on the cheek, pecks on the lips, you know, little kisses. <clears throat> There's none of that. It's almost like they're living as roommates going in, like I mentioned about the lack of cohesiveness, the distance. It's almost like they are. They're living as roommates. So the kids, when they grow up, they don't know what's healthy from what is not healthy. And get this countless times every single week people where one partner is very it's funny how they end up with each other but one partner is very affectionate lovey dovey loves holding hands loves you know touchy feely huggy and it's not always the ladies there's some ladies that don't like that they're very apprehensive they don't like to be touched hugged they feel claustrophobic and the guy's like oh my god i love this i'm affectionate um and They don't know how. And you find back that, you know what, they had parents, right, that maybe ended up divorced, whatever, but they never saw their parents. 
They were like a business relationship. There was no, no warmth. There was no depth. There was just distance and like a business relationship, right? Your job, go to work. My job, make dinner. I do laundry. I do this. And that was it. There was no warmth and openness and um, closeness. It was all cold. So, you know, typically that's what's going to happen. And the issue is, right, how do we resolve that? How can we maybe teach you or how can we, how can I help you get used to the warmth and being okay with that? A lot of people don't like it. They, like anything else, we don't try, me included, right? I might be more open trying different things, but a lot of people, I get it. You know, anything that they're not used to even observed um, growing up with, they, they think it's wrong or icky. <laughs> Where'd that word come from? But they get in a situation where it's not normal and they feel so uncomfortable, so they don't want to try, right? So think about what you're teaching your kids through your observations. And like I said, what can we do? What can I do to help you have a relationship that your kids, you know what, would want to have, or maybe you would want for your kids if they get married or they get in a relationship down the road, okay? This is Greg Dzinski. This is the Art of Relationships radio show. I'm going to take a little breather. I'm going to be back in a few moments. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, after the break, please give me a call, 586-212-4196. Talk to you in a few minutes. Thank you for joining me. If you're looking for that unique, cool fashion statement, check out Shoes by Shay on Facebook. She has hand-painted, uh, hand-designed canvas shoes for you, your loved one. It's an inspirational piece unique to your own taste. Check out Shoes by Shay on Facebook. Again, that's Shoes by Shay on Facebook.
Welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Dzinski, and this is the Art of Relationships radio show. Make sure you check me out. Well, not me out, but check my website out, okay? Theartofrelationships.guru. Also the blog site, theartofrelationshipsblog.guru, okay? I'm on Facebook as well. You can find me all over the place. Um, again, the show, the Art of Relationships radio show, like my work in my office, postings on Facebook, you name it. It's another avenue to help people. That's my passion, right? Yes, in a sick way, I get off on helping people. Um, gives me, you know, goosebumps, if you will, to be able to help people and watch them evolve and grow and become happy and get rid of the, the stress in their life and have more passionate, loving relationships. That is the coolest thing if I can be a part of that and help people do that, okay? So back to tonight's topic about what your kids, you know, would you want your kid to have the same type of relationship or marriage you do? I covered, you know, some various aspects as the first part of the show, Um. Tied in, like I mentioned about the coldness distant, um, I tied in also, you know, that there's there might not be any loving gestures, touching, hugging, and it can trickle down to the kids. No matter what you tell them, oh, you want a relationship, you know, that you can hug and embrace, but you're not showing that, right? Uh, kids deserve that. Touch, hugging, embracing is very, very thorough. And let's face it, it feels good. It feels um, incredible trying to come up with the maybe that adjectives and adverbs to describe it. It feels incredible, incredible when someone hugs you and you feel it and it's genuine, right? And it's, it's deep, it's soulful. And you want your kids to be able to have that in a healthy manner, right? They might have, you know, you might get hugs from mom or dad, whatever, but they don't see them hugging each other. It's almost like it's a taboo thing in the distance and the, the closeness, and they start looking at, oh, maybe that that's what mom and dad is, right? And I start asking them, the parents or, you know, the couple in my office, what the heck can you do to maybe incorporate that and what is I get it maybe you were born or raised whoever raised you were there wasn't a lot of love a lot of um, affection I should say exhibited or shown between mom and dad grandparents whoever raised you what could you do to fight through that discomfort and that fear that maybe it's wrong it's taboo or it's just something you don't do right it's very healthy and it's very very therapeutic and very healthy i don't know how else to say it to exhibit it to your kids that it's okay that you hold hands that you cuddle whatever and i'm not talking you making out in front of the kids you know there's boundaries we all know that and i don't need to get into saying that right well some people might end up taking it out of context right but you know do you want to teach your kids that it's normal and it's healthy to have that in a relationship? So what can you do to start incorporating that in your own life or taking that risk and doing that, right, and showing that? And how many people, I'm going to hit on 
this next one, right? And it might piss some people off, but, oh, well, that's me, is how many kids raise in domestic violence situation? You have daughters, right, where dad beats the crap out of mom, or let's face it, mom's beating dad. And, yes, it happens more than you think out there. It's not just guys. However, you know, you hear this old adage, right? Kids grow up in an abusive, domestic violent home. One of them either becomes the abuser, right, or becomes the abused. Is that a guarantee? No, not at all. Everyone tries to pigeonhole, oh, if you're, you know, abused, if your dad beat mom and you're a daughter, therefore you're going to get hooked up and married someone that abuses you. There is no guarantee to that. It's just that the percentages and the chances of that happening are higher. Okay? So, you exhibit domestic violence in your relationship as part of the norm, and that's okay to put up with, that you tolerate domestic violence in your relationship or marriage, that you excuse it, right? Oh, it's my fault. I deserved it. I shouldn't have done this. That way I got hit. Ooh. Or maybe you are staying in a domestic violence situation where, you know what, you're teaching your kids, no matter what you say, never put up with it, never put up with it. It's what you do. It's what you show and what you live people. Another thing with domestic violence situation is, I'm going to tell you, if somebody finds out there is domestic violence going on in the home, even if cops aren't called or whatever, okay, if somebody finds out a relative, a teacher, right, and let me guess, you're going to try to promote the kids, right? Oh, what happens in the home stays in the home, right? It's private. You don't tell anyone. Da, 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 da. That's manipulation on the kids, people. You know why? And that's pathetic. However, I'm going to get back into this situation where um, if relatives find out, maybe friends of kids find out, the school teacher finds out, CPS, or in state of Michigan, it's CPS, right? Child Protective Services, other states, it might be Child Welfare Services. Every state has their own uh, lingo or title for it. In Michigan, I'm going to say it's Child Protective Services. They will be called. And I'm going to tell you, ladies and guys, okay, if you are in a domestic violence situation where there's either verbal abuse on a constant situation or actual physical abuse going on in the home, you could lose your kids, okay? Do you know that? So not only what you teach your kids, what you say to them, how you're living your life and how what they observe, right, makes a big difference. And I'm not BSing everybody about this situation and domestic violence, you know, rape and sexual abuse, assault, suicide. I never joke about those, okay? So that is one thing. You can lose your kids, right? And I'm not BSing about that. A lot of courts are looking, you know what? You're in that situation. You did not protect your kids from observing that or being in that environment. You could lose your kids. No BS. So, you know, can you teach your kids... I'm not, you know, even if it's dad getting abused, mom, whatever, you know what? 
I'm teaching my kids not to ever put up with it. It doesn't matter. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show. It doesn't matter what you say to them. It's how you live, how you act. Right? It's your actions. You can tell them, oh, don't ever put up with this. Don't ever put up with this. But what is happening is you're living it. So maybe it's not that bad for you. Ooh, think about that. That would be scary, wouldn't it? Ew. That might be a little scary. No matter what you say, it's what you live. So domestic violence, you know, you need to get yourself out of that situation or, you know, get a lot of help going on. I don't want anyone getting hurt. I don't want kids to be taken away and, oh, God, that's a mess. But, um, you know, look at that. What the hell am I going to do to get out of that situation? And or maybe both is what I promote is maybe if you can work on a relationship, you know, they'll anger management and everything for the individual that is the abuser, what's going on, or you need to get the hell out of the relationship, okay? So another thing that I hear numerous complaints about about teens and stuff, and also between couples, is you don't see any compassion or empathy for each other as a couple, right? They're like, oh, whatever, whatever. There's no empathy. If someone's having a bad day, um... They, oh, oh, well, sucks to be you, right? They don't see any compassion. And you want to teach your kids as parents to have compassion and empathy for others. And one thing, even in my own, you know, my own life, I need to be careful with this too because I have a huge heart. I'm very compassionate, but the work I do and, you know, it's heartbreaking and gut-wrenching at times, you know, with everybody's challenges and uh, traumas endured through life. So I have to be careful that I don't become desensitized or become maybe unempathetic or become cold, if you will. That's not me at the core, but I need to be cognizant and be careful of that and make sure I, you know, express compassion and empathy for everyone. And for the most part, I do okay with that. So, you know, showing each other compassion that you actually give a shit about one another and you care about somebody if they're sick if they're um having a bad day maybe one of your mom or dad lost their job and you want to show compassion and empathy and how do you teach your kid that by ooh acting it big time right how they act it and what do you do to express it that's how you teach your kids, through your actions, okay? So, other thing. How many people also, as couples, when you have kids, right? You're busy. You both might work. You have kids. And it's easy as the time goes by, the relationship or the marriage sort of slides down your priority list, Right? And also in the kids, they never see mom and dad do anything together as a couple. It's either as a family or mom's with the kids, dad's with the kids, whatever. But they never see mom and dad together or going out together, right? They never see them going out together as a couple. Never see them doing anything just the mom and dad, right? Oh, we can't because the kids will feel bad. 
bullshit. Don't ever get in that situation. You need to make the marriage a priority, and you need to teach the kids that the relationship is a priority. Even in step-family dynamics, um, it's, a, it's different. There's different dynamics in place, but, you know, that the relationship is important, too, and it's a balancing act, more so in step-family dynamics. But in nuclear families, it's, you know, a relationship where you have kids and you two are the ones that brought those kids into the world or in a marriage. You need to make the kids. You know what? Mom and dad are number one. Ah, I say this often a lot, right? Mom and dad are number one, and, you know, we love each other, and that is the premise. That's what brought you two or three or five or a dozen kids into the world, and mom and dad are a united front, okay? This is a huge thing. You need to spend time together and teach the kids that that's healthy to do that, that mom and dad are a team. And they do stuff together, alone. Not all the time. Don't abandon kids. But, you know, the old adage, at least once a week. It's not, you need to do that, okay? Another thing, going tied in with mom and dad doing stuff together and that the relationship and the marriage is a priority. It's a huge priority. Number one priority, maybe. In my book, it needs to be. Like I said, other than, you know, it's more of a balancing act, big time and step-family dynamics, and I usually say, you know, typically the kids, biological kids, come first, but it's a balancing act. But same with the team premise. How many couples out there are arguing and fighting about the kids in front of the kids, right? One goes to maybe ground them, ground him or her son or daughter, and the other one is there to be the savior. No, I don't think they should be grounded. I don't think right oh my god one is being the good parent right good cop bad cop good parent bad cop one's maybe overly strict maybe maybe not even overly strict maybe tied in with the rules and the boundaries of the household and the other one is being more permissive and being more of a wuss and you argue back and forth in front of the kids right you need to knock that off right you need to be a team if one disciplines the kid in a healthy manner, of course, um, and the other parent disagrees with it, you need to grab the other parent and talk, right? You don't argue. You don't bash the other parent about the discipline or consequences given. You need to be a teammate. If you disagree and you talk about it, which is fine, you can change your mind as a parent. You know what? I was a little harsh, or maybe I need to be more harsh or more strict with the consequence. That's where you two as a parent need to go in your room or outside, whatever, and talk and say, you know what, I think you should have handled it this way or, you know what, we should talk. You don't ever, ever disagree about discipline or consequences about decisions with the kids in front of the kids. Got it? Because the kids, they're going to play you. And they're going to look at mom and dad are not a team. They're not a united front. So... They're going to carry that over as well in their other relationship, thinking that's okay. I always have to stick up for, you know, I always have to be there for my kids so they don't not love me and they they think I hate them. You know what? No. 
don't argue in front of the kids about the kids. You know, seeing the, you're going to argue once in a while. I mentioned yelling and screaming, but you're going to argue once in a while. That's normal in front of the kids, but not about the kids, okay, about consequences or anything. You need to take that into your room. You can have disagreements about, oh, crap, I forgot to pick this up. I, You know, we have disagreements. I'm not about arguing, whatever. But even simple arguments, you know what? And you work through them and you tell, you know, you work it up. And there's apologies and there's sincere I'm sorry's and genuine I love you. I shouldn't have yelled, scream. You know what? That's okay. That's going to happen. But, and the kids are going to learn. You can have a disagreement and you still love each other, right? You're still committed to one another. That's huge. It's when there's constant arguing and yelling and belittling that is unhealthy and your kids don't need to see it. I don't want kids to be in a situation where they grow up and they think that's normal, that's healthy, right? And I don't want them to think that's okay and to be okay with that. That sucks, and that's not fair to your kids. And it's almost like you're pigeonholing them into a situation when they get into relationships later on in their life or marriage to think that's healthy and that's okay and to tolerate it. Let's face it. You don't want your kids to tolerate that, right? Okay, so... Make the marriage a priority. Make the relationship a huge priority. And be teammates. No arguing disagreements about the kids in front of the kids. Okay? So, big time. Also, how many parents do you joke and laugh? Oh, my God. If I wasn't able to joke around and laugh, I'd probably be freaking dead. Or maybe I would be in a padded room. No I don't mean to joke about that, but kids, how often do they see you? And I mentioned about the coldness and distance a little bit ago on the show. They don't, there's no joking around. They don't play around with each other. They don't see dad or even maybe mom trying to tickle dad or maybe even a little slap on the booty. You know, is that appropriate in front of the kids? Eh, as long as it's a little pat, it, that's fine. You don't want to grab ass or inappropriate things like that. You know, joke around, maybe tease one another. That's healthy, and that's okay. It's playful. And let your kids know that's cool, and that's okay. Maybe they want that in a relationship, and that is a lot of fun. And it even brings even closeness together as a couple, okay? So, last topic, and there I could go on and on about this, about this situation, about, you know, would you want your kids to have the same type of relationship or marriage that you do have. This is going to be last topic. When Talk about domestic violence, but what about if there's chronic substance abuse? Sounds redundant, right? If it, was, if it wasn't chronic, um, there wouldn't be addiction or substance abuse issues if it wasn't chronic. That's a no-brainer. But are you in a situation where you're codependent, right? And this is not... A gender issue. Everyone is, oh, it's women that are codependent. No, there's a lot of men that are too, to where, you know what, no matter what, I got to fix, I got to save mom or dad who is an alcoholic or a drug addict, right? I'm not about giving up, but it comes to a point where how much is this affecting your kids? And are you teaching your kids that this is okay to put up with, that this is okay to tolerate? that there's substance abuse, that there's alcoholism, 
and it's chronic and there's no help being done and you're okay with it. Now you look at what am I teaching my kids or is your own fear, right, of being alone or whatever, is that more crucial to you? I get it. It's hard. It's diff- It's fearful about wondering if you can make it on your own financially and all this. I get it. Um, or if I pay child support, I'm not going to be able to to make it financially. I won't be able to live anywhere. It's scary. Those are real-life decisions to look at, and I don't take those lightly. However, going back to, you know what, if you're in a substance abuse situation and you're living it and you say it's okay, what are you teaching your kids? You know, I'm all about, like I said, the person getting help, but if they're not willing to get help, the old scenario, I don't have a problem. I can control it, all this stuff. What are you, are you teaching your kids to tolerate that and then it's okay in their own relationship? Or are you going to teach your kids to be codependent as well and be able to tolerate it? That, oh my God, you need to be needed so much that you're teaching your kids, right? They're observing that it's okay. That's sad. And you're cheating your kids out, okay? So I'm going to be signing off in a little bit. So hopefully you learned some things. You know, a lot of this, it is common sense. But a lot of people, when you get in a situation and you are living this, you're living this situation and you start looking, oh, my God, you know what? What are we teaching? What am I teaching my kids? You know what? Am I being loving? Am I yelling, screaming, belittling? Am I in domestic violence situation? What are my kids observing? And how are my actions affecting my kids and maybe play out my kids' life in the future? A lot of people don't look at that, right? Oh, I'll take care of it. And all of a sudden, tomorrow comes, next week comes. And all of a sudden, pretty soon, it's a repeat. And your kids are living, they're in a marriage or a relationship a very unhealthy one, and it sort of models your relationship. And then you're looking at, by then it's too late. So I'm promoting you to kick yourself in the booty to maybe make positive changes in your relationship now. And if you can't, and if your partner is unwilling, then what changes can be made in your own life and what decisions can you make to maybe get to a happy, healthier place, right? that you can teach your kids not to be tied in to unhealthy, cold, distant, or even abusive or in a substance abuse situation. Okay? This is Greg Dzinski. Everybody have a nice Sunday evening. Oh, Detroit Lions won again, just barely, but they won. So, again, Check out everything, my website, theartofrelationships.guru, G-U-R-U. Check out my Facebook. Send me topics. Private message me. Shit, don't even worry about it. Message me on Facebook. Put on topics of suggestions, okay? And like I mentioned, Wednesday's show, perfect night for hump night. I'm going to talk about porn and should it be, ooh, or should it not be totally 
ousted in your relationship. And I'm going to tie that in with the myths of sexual addiction, right? And a lot of people out there, oh, sexually addict, sexual addict. No, they have a high sex drive. doesn't make them an addict. And there's a lot of people out there that want to put this label as a sexual addict that might be because they don't have a high sex drive. You know, they're okay having sex once every other month and someone wants it three times a week. Oh, you're a sex addict. No, you're not. Okay, there's a lot of myths out there and a lot of people because of their own bias, their own prejudice about that topic. um, They're sort of promoting the wrong information. So I want to clarify that and clarify um, and tie those in, you know, sexual addiction and porn. Does porn maybe promote or create sexual addiction? So it should be a fun topic. Make sure you call in, mark it on your calendar. You can call in uh, 586 Two one two four one nine six, and I'll post it on Facebook, like always. Okay, everybody have a nice Sunday evening. Hopefully, everybody has an awesome start to the week. I will talk to everybody Wednesday evening. Take care. See you on Facebook as well. Much love to everybody out there. Okay, be safe. Licensed relationship and sex counselor Greg Dzinski's, also known as Master G. The Art of Relationships will cover crucial elements in rebuilding emotional and physical intimacy in your romantic relationships. He will also welcome live calls from listeners and help him with these very challenges. Heard of the old repetitive and tiresome tit-for-tat arguments? Greg gets to the root of couples' challenges in a quick, matter-of-fact format, plus applies compassion and humor. Join in discovering how to improve your romantic relationship and your own life. Listen, laugh, and climax to a happier you. Greg is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan, but to some of us, he is simply known as Master G.